Amen. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. That's what God says in this 46 number of Psalm. And we're going to read that one verse and then we'll go back to Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter and read one verse and we'll jump back into where we left off. Because I think it's critically important that all of us who claim to be born again believers, all of us who profess Christ as our personal savior have to get to a point in our walk with the Lord where we can be still and know that God has our back. Can I get a witness? Where we can be still and know that God is there to take care of us, that we don't have to fear. Amen. We do not have to fear because we have a God, amen, who's bigger, as Daniel was saying earlier, he's big, he's strong, he's mighty. Uh, we serve a God who knows exactly what's going on in our life. And guess what? He cares about what's going on in our life. He saved us to have a personal, intimate relationship with us. And when you're intimate with someone, that means that you know all of the things that are going on on the inside of them, and you care about that, and you want to lead them, and you want to guide them. So God does care about us. So Psalms, the 46th number, verse number 10, if you uh, read that with me, if you pop that up, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. So let's go to Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, uh, and uh, verse number 14, we'll begin our reading there. And you guys know that we've been talking about this particular uh, story from uh, the history of the, uh, the nation of Judah, the southern tribe, two tribes in the south, 10 in the north. Israel was split into 12 tribes, were split into, into two different nations, the nation of Israel, which was 10 tribes in the north, and the southern kingdom uh, was uh, the kingdom of Judah, amen, which Jehoshaphat, we see from this text, is the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat, amen, rises up and his men come and tell him that we are being surrounded by the enemy. The enemy is preparing to attack us. What are we going to do? The Bible tells us that Jehoshaphat had a sudden fear that rose up on the inside of him. But what, Je what Jehoshaphat does next gives us an indication as to who he believed in and where his trust lied. As soon as the fear came, the sudden fear came, the Bible says Jehoshaphat sat himself to do what? To seek the Lord. And so when he sat himself to seek the Lord, guys, he called a national fast. People began to fast and pray because they knew they needed victory, amen, in this situation. But look at what the text says here, starting at verse number 14. Are y'all there with me? Let's read together. It says, then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, y'all not reading with me. This is a participatory sermon, guys. You don't get to come here and just sit and watch me. All right? This is a participatory sermon. That's why we put the words up on the screen so that you can be involved in this message, okay? So I want y'all involved. Look at your neighbor. Neighbor, we in this thing. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? All right, let's go to go. It says what? Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Let us stop right there because I need you to understand something. Under the old covenant, unlike under the new covenant, the Spirit of God would come upon men and give them a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or allow them to do supernatural exploits, amen? Give them an insight, a revelatory insight into something they had no clue about. 
So the spirit of God came upon men in the old covenant, but in the new covenant, the spirit of God fills men. Amen. As a born again believer, I have the spirit of God abiding in me. But the Bible tells me to be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the spirit. So I'm commanded to be filled with the spirit under new covenant. So under old covenant, the spirit of God came upon men and gave them revelation. So here we say, he said, came the spirit of God, spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Next verse says what? And he said, hearken ye, stop. The word hearken mean what? To hear and to do. Hearken means to hear and to do. Everybody say hear, hear. and do. All right, says, and, and he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus said the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed. I told you on last week that word dismayed means to be just taken aback, means to be appalled, means to be just, you know, just, just out of it. He says, don't be afraid nor be dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Don't forget the story. They were surrounded by several nations who were preparing to attack them. But the text says, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not what? It's not yours, but what? It is. Who does the battle belong to? It belongs to God. Look at verse 16 down through uh, verse number uh, uh, 17 with me right quick. Let's read it. It says what? Tomorrow go ye down against them. Now watch this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon this man in the midst of the congregation. The Spirit of the Lord gives him a word to share with the nation. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Next verse says what? Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Hold your point right there. Hold your thought. What I want to encourage some of y'all here today is that too many of y'all are striving and trying to fight battles that don't belong to you. Can I get one witness up in here? Too many believers are sitting here trying to fight through some stuff that God says that ain't your battle. He says it belongs to me. Watch this. You should not need to fight in this battle. But what does he tell them to do? Set yourselves Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Now, first of all, we got to realize that the Lord was with them, right? Even when it looks like it was a, a draconian situation, when it looked like they were surrounded by enemies three times, four times the amount of soldiers they had, the Bible says the Lord was with you. Now, if the Lord is with you guys, I don't care how many people are coming against you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I got to, as a born again believer, recognize and know and have full assurance and confidence that the Lord is with me no matter where I go. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me, right? All right, so watch this. Look, look at this. You should not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. The setting process is the process that Jehoshaphat went through. He sat himself to seek the Lord. He began to focus his mind on the problem solver and not on the problem. See, when I go through something, I want to be able to set my mind on the one who's able to solve the problem and not get so focused on the problem that I start to wig out, that I start to operate in a spirit of fear. Watch this, watch this. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord 
with you, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Y'all know the rest of the story, how it was that by the time Jehoshaphat and them got to the enemy's battlefield, God had so confused them that they had turned on each other and killed each other. Now, remember, remember the battle strategy? They put the choir out front. Y'all remember that? They put the choir out front and said, y'all go out there and sing. Now, again, as I told y'all before, that, to me that doesn't make sense. But see, sometimes God will tell you to do things that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But he's God. And if God says do it, guess what? I'm going to find myself doing it. I don't care what, how silly it looks. I don't, if God told, tells me to go out in the middle of Old Bellevue Road, run up and down that street 15 times and st- just yell, Jesus is Lord, I'll go do it. Some of y'all look at me like, you will, Pastor? <laughs> I thought you were a conservative by nature. I thought you was a reserved dude. No, listen, if God tells me to do that, I'm going to go and do it. Because I know, no matter what it looks like or seems like to me, if I have a revelatory word from God, then if I, if I am obeying that word, victory is going to come my way. All right? So, so, so the enemy end up killing them own, their own selves because God confused them. And that's what God will do to the enemies. He'll make them your footstool, but he'll also confuse your enemy. Now watch this, guys. On last week, we began to talk about some things, and, and I want to kind of just quickly review, and we move on down to the next part. Is because we said that one of what the, the command that is repeated most often in the scripture is what? It's fear not. The term, the command, fear not, is repeated more times in the scripture than any other command that we come across. Fear not. Let's look at a couple of those cases. Go to Psalms 23 and 4 with it right quick. Very familiar passage, but let's look at this Psalms 23 and 4. Glory to God. Fear not. Well, if God says fear not, why am I fearing? If God repeatedly throughout the scripture tells us be strong and be very courageous like he told Joshua when Joshua was preparing to lead the children of Egypt into children of Israel into the land of promise, he kept telling them be strong and very courageous. All throughout the Bible, God keeps saying, fear not. Well, if we are operating in fear, guys, we can't be operating in faith. Those two, those two uh, situations are diametrically imposed. So God keeps saying, fear not. Now, as, as we go, you know, I think about our young people here as they prepare to go into this next stage of their life. You know, many times when you're going into something new or something different, there's a bit of hesitation and anxiety that comes about. Upon you, Because now most of y'all are either 17 or 18 years old or 19 years old and get ready to process into what we consider to be adulthood. Is that right? Well, y'all look at me graduates. I'm going to pick on y'all today because y'all are our favorites today. Amen. But you guys are getting ready to go into another phase of your life. And sometimes that can be a little scary, Terrence, because, you know, you know, everybody tells you, well, go to college or get a trade or do something. But but you don't really know. I have never really experienced that. So there's a bit of anxiety and fear that comes along with that. Maybe you were successful in what you did in high school, but now I'm going to get ready to go to another phase. So I need to have the confidence and to know that God is with me wherever I go, and he's able to make me to prosper. Okay? But watch what the text says here. Each time the Bible says, fear not, do not be afraid. That's repeated more often uh, than any other command in the scriptures. Look at what the text says. It says what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod 
and thy staff, they do what? They comfort me. So if I'm going, it says, I will fear no evil. Go to Psalms 27 and 1 right quick. Look at Psalms 27 and 1. And then I'm going to skip down to another. Psalms, you know, the Psalms are, a lot of the Psalms are written by David. And David, amen, as we understand it, was writing. And David was pouring out of his heart as he sung these songs and he pinned those under the Lord. David was expressing his, his inward man. And that's what we're learning as men. It's, it's, it's important for us to, to learn how to express our inward emotions because most men don't do that very well. Am I right, brothers? Am I right, brothers? That's what we've been studying, right? How to learn how to, to, to be transparent and open when it comes to our feelings because as we discovered on yesterday, most of us were taught, hey amen, keep your button up, be strong and tight, don't let nobody see you suffer, don't let them see you sweat. You keep it all to yourself because you don't want to show any signs of weakness. But what we don't understand is that God made us as emotional beings and part of our emotional and spiritual health has to do with our willingness to be able to express what's going on on the inside of us. You ladies don't have no problem with that. Most of you don't. Some of y'all ladies hide. But most, most women don't have any trouble expressing what they feel emotionally. Am I right about it, sisters? Brothers, can y'all, can y'all, I feel like I'm out here by myself. Y'all looking at me and, 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 you, and you're like, I ain't saying nothing because I'm going to be strong today. Most women, most women uh, don't have a problem talking and sharing. Is that right? That's why sometimes y'all can be on the phone for hours upon end and your husband be, be watching the ball game doing something. You, you can talk for two or three hours and, and most, most guys get on the phone, they talk maybe 15 minutes at the most and it's all about surface stuff. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And, and as a result, what we discovered is that, that we have to learn how to, to be open and transparent with somebody. Not everybody, but with somebody, right? Uh, and so, so, so but, but watch this, okay? Because let, let me get to this. Text. I don't, don't want to get sidetracked. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I, what? Fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David a man is expressing, a man, the inward part of himself. He's going into the inner man. And he's letting, he's, as, he's, as he's pinning these psalms to God, he's expressing what's going on on the inside. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's go to Psalms 34, verses 1 through 4 right quick. Fear not, fear not. Over and over and over again, God keeps telling us not to fear. Now, last week, remember, as, as you turn there, last week I told you some things. I said fear will cause you to disconnect relationally. Do y'all remember that? Fear will cause you to disconnect relationally. And one of the things that we have to do if we're going to be uh, I mean, whole and complete is is we have to start building those relationships back that fear has caused us to disconnect from. Many times this happens in marriages because of fear. We, we're afraid to, to connect. Some of y'all are afraid to connect relationally in the church because you, you, you're fearful that somebody's going to discover that you ain't what you represented yourself to be. Let me say it again. Sometimes we connect, disconnect relationally in the church because we don't want people to know who we really are. But what I, I submit to you that it's important for us to, to understand that. And remember on last week I told you you got to step toward people who you've disconnected from? 
remember those three things, right? Jason, if you can pop those up real quickly. Uh, if, if we're going to, if, so some declaration that we need to, to, to make if we're going to lovingly begin to step toward that person who we've been uh, disconnected from. We talked about, you know, what, what those fears are. We talked about constructive fear and destructive fear, right? There is a constructive fear that's good for us, but which helps to build us up. But there's destructive fear that's designed by the enemy to tear us down. But we said this, if I'm going to if I'm going to step back toward that relationship that I've disconnected from because of what transpired and I'm fearful about entering back into it because of what happened, there's some things that I got to do. I said, number one, I, we got to make these declarations. I will forgive you for your past mistakes. How many of y'all are sitting out there right now? You are disconnected from someone whom you used to be in relationship with, but because of something that went down, some hurt, some pain, some heartache, some issue that transpired, then now you disconnected and you're afraid to reconnect because uh, 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 you, you, you're afraid of being hurt again. But as long as you step back toward that person whom you need to be in relationship with, you got to first of all say, I will forgive you for your past mistakes. Let me see the hands of everybody here who's made a mistake in a relationship that you're in. Let me see your hands. Now, if you, if you don't raise your hand, you are a liar, and the devil is all over you right now. Your pride is sitting there telling you, well, I, you know, no, 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 it's pride. So, so, so let, let me do it one more time, okay? How many of y'all are in relationships or have been in a relationship where you made a mistake and, and that you, you know, you, you've done something that was not right? Okay, all of us have, right? So, how many of y'all know that sometimes when we make those mistakes, bad decisions, sinful choices, that it causes us to disconnect? And then we've had that happen to us. And so what we do is, what do we do? We go to our corner and say, you know what? I love you. I'm going to see you at church. I'm going to even wave at you. I may even hug you during the fellowship period, but I'm not going to step back towards you. I'm going I'm to, and then, then we got nerve enough to say this here. I'm going to be praying for you. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're going to be praying for, him, for that person, and you know there's a relational hiccup that's taking place. There's separation there. But you, you know, as a born-again believer, we have to make the conscious decision to learn how to restore people in relationship. So the first thing we got to do is we gotta, we got, I got to forgive you for your past mistakes. Second thing we got to do is I got to choose to move towards you even though we still disconnected, so to speak. Even though things are not quite right, I got to start stepping towards you. I will choose to move towards you even though we are still in a state of disconnect because it's not quite right. You know it's not right. The other person knows it's not right. But I got to start stepping towards you. Okay. I got to start stepping towards you. I will choose to move towards you even though we are disconnected. The third thing we said was what? I will take responsibility for how I treat you. I'm going to take responsibility for how I treat you. That's, that's critically important if we're going to, amen, reconnect. Because fear, one of the things that the enemy does is he produces fear in our life, and the goal of fear is to get you to disconnect. He wants you to disconnect from your church. Hello? The enemy wants you to disconnect from your church. 
He wants you to disconnect from spiritual people who can speak into your life and who can challenge you to grow in your faith. He will cause you to get offended with them and then disconnect. Okay? So if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're going to reconnect with those relational uh, situations that have become disconnected, we gotta do these three things, okay? Doesn't mean that you're there, but you gotta start stepping toward that. Everybody say step toward it. All right. So, so, so get back to Psalms 34 right quick. Let's move because that, that's, that's critically important, guys, that we, we understand that because the goal of God for all of us is to is to walk in shalom. What is shalom? To walk in peace. God wants us to be relational in peace with each other because we are the body of Christ. If nobody else should know how to do it, the body of Christ should know how to do it. But the sad commentary is many times we find disconnections in the church at the same level or higher than it is in the world. And we ought to learn how to do relationships better, okay? None of us come into the world knowing how to do it the right way, but the Bible will teach us how to do it. So Psalms 34, verse number one, right quick, okay? Y'all still with me? All right. Psalms 34, verse number one. Can we read it together? It says what? It says, I will do what? I will bless the Lord at all Times. Now, who's, who's speaking here? This is David talking. David, the psalmist, David, the man who the Bible describes as a brother who is after God's own heart. This very David, who, who, who was a, 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 a fearless leader amen, of the nation of Israel, this very David who made some, some monumental mistakes in his life, but one thing that David did was the Bible says he had a heart after God, even though he made some bad choices and bad decisions. All right. Because you love God don't mean that you don't make bad choices. But we all not keep making those bad choices. Amen. We all not. OK. Yeah, you got hooked up on gambling and you lost all your money, but don't keep going back, losing all your money. Step away, repent and turn away. Hello. I mean, whatever, whatever your issue is, amen, uh, don't keep indulging in it. Turn and repent. The text says, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. That means that I will continually praise God at all times. This is not predicated on how I feel. Because how many of y'all have come to church before and you didn't feel like praising God? Your feelings were, were such that, well, you know, this is, you know, I, I, I'm going to just kind of chill today. And see, here's my philosophy, guys. And I'm going to tell you, can I talk about me? Because when I grew up in church, I was a little bit, apprehensive about praising God. I was a little bit shy. I was a little bit, uh, you know, the, the truth be told, I, it, was, it was tough on me to try to, to even get up and sing, and I wasn't even leading the song. I was in, in the background. Uh, and, and to pray was, uh, was, uh, was, was really uh, uh, something that I feared. I admire our young people today who are not ashamed to stand up and praise God. I, we, we got some children... If you come here on third Sunday, I mean, they are unashamed in giving God praise. Well, I thank God for that because we're pouring it into them. But I, I, got, I got news for you. I wasn't there when I was growing up. I was, I was somewhat shy and ashamed to praise God, but no more because God has transformed me from the inside out. And, 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 and I'm going to give him praise. The text says here, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times his praises shall continually be in my mouth so that means that my praise to God is not 
is not based on how I feel. My praise toward God is not based on whether or not my wife and I had an argument last night. Okay? How many of y'all find it difficult to praise God when you've had an argument with your spouse? Anybody here? Okay. All right. We're going to play this game, right? Listen, guys. Let me, can, can I take it a step further? How many of y'all find it difficult to praise God when you're in the service and you see somebody across the way who you got out with? Who y'all not, not connecting, y'all are disconnected. In other words, you see them in church and then now all of a sudden when you look at them, you're like your praise just goes down. <laughs> Anybody ever been there before? Just, just nod your head, nod your head. Guys, let me tell you something. See, your praising God has nothing to do with the other person. And that's part of the problem. We keep looking at other people and God says, I want you to give me glory. I want you to magnify my name. And so it doesn't matter who's in the room. Doesn't matter who's in the room. I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to be like Dave. He says, I will bless the Lord at what? All right. And, and, and his praise shall what? Continually be where? So what does that mean? Now watch this now. If you're going to be biblical, let's be biblical. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, how's he going to bless the Lord? You can't bless the Lord with giving him money because he got, he got everything he needs. The cattle on a thousand hill belongs to him. The earth is the Lord and the foot is the earth. What's he going to give him? Come on. He's got it all. So, so what he's saying here is, I will bless the Lord at all times. Watch this. For all you silent, quote, praises out there. I got some of y'all that say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little dignified and, uh, you know, I, I, I got to keep up a certain image and uh, I, I can't be caught lifting hands in the sanctuary saying, hallelujah. Even your hallelujah kind of off, isn't it? Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at what David said. David says, his praise shall be what? Continually well. Be in my mouth. In other words, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if Maria and I had an argument all weekend long. He is worthy to be praised. And when I step up in this place, when I'm riding in my car, when I'm on my way to wherever, I'm going to give him praise because his praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. That means that I have to say something. Go to Hebrews. Hold your place right there. Hold your place. I got to show this. Go to Hebrews right quick. Can y'all, can y'all, are y'all walking with me today? Hebrews 13. Because some of y'all are fearful about praising God. Because you're afraid of what people are going to say. Hebrews 13 and 15. Y'all know this, but I want you to throw this in parenthetically. So as, as you're sitting there, in the next worship service you go to, then you got to look, look, look at yourself and say, am I obeying what this scripture teaches me? In Psalms, the 34th number, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Now watch what the writer to Hebrews says. He says what? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How? There that word is again, continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Let's go to the NLT on this verse right quick. Go to the NLT, right? Okay, NLT, New Living Translation. I want to show it to you right quick. The text says this, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual 
sacrifice of praise to God. In other words, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So the only way I can obey this scripture is, is I have to say something with my lips. Because the words that are in my mouth, amen, uh, have power to create. Death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So if the Bible tells me to continually praise God, then that means that when I step up in here corporately or when I'm in my home, I have an obligation to magnify his name. The only way I can proclaim my allegiance is I have to say something. So anybody who says, be silent before the Lord. Yeah, there's a time to be quiet, but there's a time to shout like you ain't got good sense. There's a time to magnify his name. Listen, when he is done, amen, for you what nobody else could do, you ought to be willing to give him praise. David said, I will continually bless him with the words of my mouth. KJV says the fruit of my lips. What are the fruit of your lips? The words that we produce. So as a born-again believer, I cannot come here in good conscience knowing what the scripture says and keep silent doing praise and worship. Even if nobody else is standing and praising God, I'm going to stand and praise God. Now, I'm not talking about the posture. I'm talking about the, the, the condition of the heart. See, if I'm going to praise him, I got to praise him. I got to be obedient, okay? So again, so uh, go back to Psalm 34 right quick. Psalm 34, verse number one. So David expressed his love for God. How many of y'all have trouble expressing your love for God? How many, how many have trouble uh, uh, just saying hallelujah? How many of y'all used to go to church? And I remember this used to happen here at this church. When, whenever, uh, you know, service was going on and somebody shouted hallelujah, people would turn around and look, see who that was. Did y'all grow up in those kind of churches? And if you were too loud, the ushers would come over to you. They would fan you. Huh? They would try to calm you down. But get guys, the Bible says, bless him at all times. And so when we learn that, then if you're up there dancing, you're up there shouting, I'm not going to come and sit you down. Amen. I'm going to praise God with you. Because David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. Not, not, not in my mind and in my heart, but his praise shall continue to be where? In my mouth. So now if you're sitting there, if you're one of those quiet, dignified folks who, 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 are, who are reluctant to praise God, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If God inhabits the praise of his people, and it's more to it than just saying it with your mouth, it's a lifestyle choice too, right? All right but, 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 but if I'm sitting there reading the scripture, and if I'm going to be obedient to the word, then, then I got to learn how to shout the victory. I got to learn how to give God his glory. Look at verse number two. Watch this. Watch this. It says what? My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and what? And be glad. Verse number three says what? Now watch this. Watch what David says. He says what? Oh, magnify the Lord, what? So what is he saying there? As a born-again believer, and as we read the Psalms, he says, don't just sit back and watch me magnify. To magnify means what? To make big. How many of y'all ever, when you were a kid, had a magnifying glass? Y'all know what a magnifying glass is? When you put that magnifying glass on something small, it makes it bigger, right? Where you can see it. He says, oh, magnify 
make the Lord big in the eyesight of man with me. He says, don't sit back and watch me do it. You come along with me. And as your pastoral leader, I want you to come along with me in praising God. There is freedom in praising God. Amen. It, it, it releases us to magnify and to focus in on him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verse number four. Can we read? Let's read. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. See, God, when we seek him, when we set ourselves like Jehoshaphat did to seek him, he will deliver us from all of our fears. So we talked about destructive fear. What is destructive fear? Destructive fear is something that is sent by the enemy or by our flesh that, that is designed to tear us down. Constructive fear, we said, is fear that, that, that enlightens us or it's, it's a healthy respect for something. When the Bible says fear the Lord, it's not talking about destructive fear. It's talking about constructive fear, respecting God, knowing who he is, knowing what he's capable of, knowing that he loves you, knowing, knowing that he's the God, amen, who sits high and looks low, knowing, knowing that he's the God who cares about you and you respect him enough to do what his word says. Do. Now, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you don't really fear God if you don't obey his word. Now watch this. It, I told y'all this before. It'll be better for you not to be in a teaching ministry and not know certain things than to be in a teaching ministry where you know what the Word of God says about various areas of your life, but then you don't do it. Because God is going to hold you accountable. To whom much is given, guess what? Much is required. So if I know what the Word says, but I refuse to do that, then I am in disobedience. Amen. So, 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 so watch this. OK, we talked about constructive fear, destructive fear. What, what, what let's go through some things. And, and real quick, I wanted to show you something. Um, the Bible uh, tells us very clearly that God desires for us to walk in peace. Right. In other words, he, he, there's a reason why he says fear not. If I'm fearful, I can't walk in peace. Right. Shalom is the word that means peace. Watch this. I want to prove it to you. Go to, go to Numbers, the sixth chapter right quick. Numbers chapter six, verses 24 through 26. And we're going to look and see that God's will for all of us is to, is to walk in peace. I like that passage that says, Thou will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. So it sounds like to me, if I can keep my mind stayed on him, if I can keep my mind focused on the one above, then I can have peace. Amen. Do you not realize that there are many Christians who walk in fear almost 24 hours a day? Fearful that this is going to happen. Fearful that we're not going to make it. Fearful to try something different. Fearful to try something new. Fearful to exercise their spiritual gift. Fearful about stepping forth and telling someone else about Christ because if I tell them, they will get mad at me and not want to be around me any longer. Fearful about a whole bunch of things. And God has not given us that spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So if we keep walking in fear, we're walking outside the will of God. So I, but, I, but I want to show you that God's will is for us to, to walk in peace. Look at what the text says in Numbers, the sixth chapter, verse number 24. It says, what? The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon thee 
and be gracious unto thee. Verse number 26, let's go. It says what? The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Give you what? So if the Lord going to give us peace, why would he want us to not walk in peace? Go to, go to John 14 and 27 with me right quick. John 14 and 27, and take a look at that passage right quick. We're going to see what Jesus tells us in John 14 and 26 and in John 16 and 33. The text says, it's peace I leave with you. Who's talking? Oh, who's talking, y'all? Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world give, it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? So Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And he tells them, let not your heart be troubled. So if, 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 if my heart is troubled, then that means that, that I, I'm not positioned in the right place. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in one place, see that you be not troubled. In other words, I got to see to it that I'm not troubled. I'm not allowing financial difficulties. I'm not relying, allowing relational issues to cause me to be troubled in mind and to be troubled in my heart. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Go to John 16 and 33. Because peace is one of the, one, one of the, the last gifts that Jesus imparted to his followers before he ascended back up into heaven. John 16 and 33. Let's read together. It says, what? These things I have spoken unto you. Watch this. Who's he talking to, guys? Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. He says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have what? In me you might have peace. You know what the reason why some of us are not walking in peace? Because we're not walking in lockstep with Jesus. See, when you're not walking in lockstep with Jesus, you can't have that perfect peace that he talks about. He says that in me you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have what? The world is going to make sure the world system is going to come at you to try to discombobulate your mind. The world is going to come at you to try to disrupt you from walking in God's peace. But he says, in the world, you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have what? So if he's overcome the world and I am in him, that means I'm what? An overcomer. Does that make sense? But if I don't know that, if I'm not walking in that, then I can't. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be saved, but don't have any peace. And if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm saved, but all the time worried, all the time distressed, then I can't be the person that God called me to be. Amen? Everybody say, overcome your fear. So what are some things, what, is, what, are, some, what are some common uh, threads that break the peace in our lives? Well, we, we know just what, based on what I just showed you that Jesus requires, or he, he wants us to walk in peace, right? If he says, I've come to give you peace, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. If I'm not walking in peace, if I am fearful about even building relationships, many people are fearful about building relationships because they've been hurt before. And, and why is that so important to us? It's important because if we're, going to, if we're going to be all that God wants us to be, then we have to learn how to build a relationship with people. Come on now, listen. If, 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 I'm, if, 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 if you ask 10 people, about me, and, and all those 10 people say that, 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 that I, I'm not a friendly person, guess what? I told y'all before, all 10 of those folks ain't lying. Right? If you ask 10 people in this church, say, is your pastor friendly? 
And people say, no, nah, he's kind of standoffish. You know, you can't really talk to him. You can't even get to him. He just puts, you back, puts his arm up and says, step back. Touch not God's anointed. <laughs> you know, you got some pastors like that who are not approachable. But our model in the scripture, Jesus was approachable, right? You remember Jesus was sitting down with folk, amen, who, who consider, were considered to be low lives. The religious leaders were the ones who were, who, were, who, were, who were throwing shade at Jesus because he was eating dinner with folks who were considered to be uh, low-life sinners, wine-bibbers, tax collectors, people who the religious establishment wouldn't fool with. Let me tell you something. It's important for you to stop being fearful about building a relationship because God wants to use you to reach those who consider to be unreachable. God wants to use you to connect with some people who you can pour into their lives, but you can't do that if you're afraid. Everybody say, fear not. Fear not. Now watch this. So, so let, let me give you some things right quick. What are some things that break the peace in our lives? Well, you know, have you ever been walking along and first of all, number one, you get some unexpected bad news. Unexpected bad news will do what? It'll, it, it'll, it, that, that phone call in the middle of the night, that, that, that uh, unexpected uh, knock at the door at 2 a.m. in the morning and your child is not at home. What happens right quick? Fear begins to rise, right? That can break the peace, right? What else? Uh, a diagnosis, a layoff notice can break the peace. You're sitting there thinking, okay, I got this plan out. And I tell you before, many of us make decisions, not even in faith, but we do have faith in our job, not in God. I tell you before, think of, think of this, think of this for a second. How many of you all in here have a mortgage on your house. You're paying somebody. Now, if, if your house is paid for, bless God and my, that's awesome. Praise God. But there's a lot of us in here still who paying the man, right? But think about that for a second. We will make a decision and say that we're going to pay somebody for 30 years based off of our current job and our income that we're making right now, right? So what happens when you get a layoff notice? What happens when you're fired? What happens when, um, uh, you know, you're not getting as many hours as you used to get? You were banking, uh, you know, 20 hours of overtime, amen, uh, for the last three years, and now you were thinking that was going to continue, but now it's cut off, and now your income has decreased. How many of you know that we show more faith in the job than we do God? Because the first thing I want to ask you is, who were you trusting when you signed that mortgage for 30 years? 30 years is a long time. Am I right about it? Who were you trusting? Who were you looking to? God or the job? Most of us, if we're honest about it, we're looking to the job. Because the moment that we receive that unexpected news, layoff notice, we go into a state of fear. And God is saying, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So when you stay there, now sudden fear can come when you first get it, but the key thing is, what do you do from that point? Do you set yourself to seek the Lord or do you begin to wallow in fear? Destructive fear is not good for us. So, so unexpected bad news can cause fear to take place in our hearts. Next thing that can cause fear to take place in our heart is when we have what we call, I call relational breakdowns. That's when somebody who you were in relationship with, you're no longer in relationship with them. 
that can cause fear. Fear, the goal of destructive fear is to get you to disconnect. And ultimately, what the enemy wants to do is to get you to disconnect from God. Okay? Because when he brings something into your life, people say, well, you know, I thought God, I, I, I trusted God and, and I believed God. I was faithful. I was tithed and given offering. And this happened to me. Why did it happen to me, God? Guys, let me tell you something. None of us in here are immune from the things of life touching us like it did anybody else. Because you are born again does not mean that this sinful world's system won't touch you at some point in time. But, but, but when it comes to relational breakups, amen, it causes us to be fearful about building relationship. And that's critically important for us to get over because if I'm fearful about reaching out to you because of what has happened to me in the past, then I can't be successful in doing God's will because God is into people. God wants us to, amen, to, to push toward people in order to build a relationship with them. Remember when we talked about before, we said that part of our responsibility is to build relationship with people who are not saved. So young people, as y'all prepare to go to college, you know, you know when, you get, when you get off in, in the college camp, can I, can I school some of y'all? And I want to school some of you parents who hadn't been to college. You're going to meet, y'all wake up, y'all sleep? I see some of y'all's eyes batting over here. Let me talk to you. There are going to be all kinds of people who are going to be coming into your life in the coming months. And I'm looking at all of y'all, I think all of y'all are going to some type of school or whatever. So when you're away from home and your mom and dad is not there, there are going to be people who are going to be trying to build a relationship with you. You got some handsome brothers here and some, some pretty gorgeous sisters here. I'm going to tell you right now, ladies, when y'all get on the campus, the dudes that have been there for a while, they're going to look for the freshmen. Okay. Can, I talk to, can I talk to you real plain? They're going to look for the naive freshman who, who, who's not whole and complete and looking for somebody to make them whole and complete. And they're going to tell you some stuff that's going to sound good. Huh? Stay away from the football players, okay? <laughs> now, now, listen. Now, I'll, I'll, listen, all football players ain't bad. I was one down to lose that tape, okay? But, but I'm just, as, as a... As a general rule, you, you, you kind of you be on guard, okay? Watch out for the cappers and the... Oh, I'm sorry, Phil. Katie, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just... But, but watch out for the fraternity brothers. Okay? Y'all with me, sisters? Dudes, y'all watch out for the sorrows. Because everybody don't need to be in relationship with you. You have a mandate from God and from this church to live a life that exemplifies the character of Christ. And so, so when you go, think, think about the relationships that you develop. Connect with people who can help you move towards your goal. Stay away from folks who are going to be pulling you away from your goal. The, the dude or the girl that wants to party every weekend, and you're going to have some of those. Not on, they don't even wait till the weekend. They want to party on Tuesday night. And you have to study 
for your exam. Let me, let me, let me tell you something right quick. This, this is something that all of, all of y'all will notice. Guys, those universities will take your money and they will flunk you. And when they flunk you, they will not refund your money. Once you pay it, it's gone. You owe it. So you have, you have a responsibility to build godly relationship. Get connected with the FCA. Get, get connected with the Bible study fellowship or something on that campus that can help build you up and not tear you down. Y'all with me? Everybody say relations, relationships are important. Say it again. Say it again. Relationships are important. But, but, but relational breakdowns will cause you to be insecure in building new relationships. That's why you got to learn to get relational with your Jesus Christ, your God. Because if you are growing in Christ, you're better able to build relationship with a variety of people. Some stuff you got to stay away from until the Lord builds you to the point where you can deal with some stuff. Some people are toxic for you and you got to stay away from them. Amen. So in parents, let me let me school you all. Some of y'all, some of y'all may not know this, but then when they start telling you stuff like I got to go talk to that professor. That grade ain't right. In some cases, it's not right. But in a lot of cases, it is right. When they start telling you parents, my financial aid got messed up. That's, that's one of the lies for I didn't do my work. And because nowadays, y'all do know that they have to give you permission to look at their grades. Now, here's one requirement that we have for our children. If we're going to help support you while in school, you better tell those folks I can look at your stuff. If I can't look at your stuff, then I'm not going to be funding your stuff. Y'all know we got privacy laws where, where they are 18 and, and you have to get permission. We, when Sonia was down at ULM, we said we, they came up with something because we're paying for it. We're going to look at what the grades are. Amen. In other words, some, some, some kids, some of you parents have students and you don't see their grades and you're funding that. Come on, that, that, that can't work. OK, so you guys build a relationship with your parents because you're going off to school. Don't mean that that relationship is broken. You need it even more so. Amen. Everybody say relations, relational breakdowns that can cause fear to arise in our hearts. The, the third thing that can cause fear to arise in our hearts is financial problems. Finances. The Bible says money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay? But financial problems causes fear in our hearts. And But here's, here's the thing that I got to get you to understand. God says he is a supplier of all of our need according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God says that I will take care of you when you honor me, when you trust me. But financial problems cause fear to arise in our hearts. Uh, moral failures causes fear to arise. The fear of being discovered. The fear of being found out that I'm into something I shouldn't be into. It causes fear and it causes not to be transparent and relational with people who can actually help us be delivered from these things. So it's important for us to recognize these things. Uh, and then, then uh, if, if, if we're facing sickness in our body, it can cause fear to arise. But I'm here to tell you that God is a God who knows how to heal, deliver, and will set you free. Amen? And so no matter what, which one of those things come your way, know this, that God says, fear not. 
He says, fear not. I'm going to give you something. Go to 2 Timothy and we'll close out with this, okay? And we got to get ready to uh, do a couple of special things today. I'm excited about this, this privilege today. We're going to dedicate a baby and we're going to honor some graduates. 2 Timothy, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, for, I think it's... Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, right? Is that, y'all remember that? Let me quote it for you. 2 Timothy 1, right? 1 and 7. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, pop that up right quick, okay? So, watch what Paul tells Timothy as we come to a close. Watch what Paul tells Timothy. Paul says this. He's talking to his young son in the ministry. He tells him, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, in a sound mind. So if I'm operating in fear, I got it. This is destructive fear. I know that it did not come from God because God gives me a spirit of, uh, uh, he, he gave me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. He encourages Timothy uh, because Timothy was somewhat shy in nature, but he's telling Timothy as the pastor of this church, I want you to walk in, 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 in spiritual boldness. Jesus Christ wants these young people to walk in spiritual boldness when they step away from their homes. He wants you as a born-again believer to walk in spiritual boldness as you, amen, uh, uh, step, step into your journey in life. Guys, fear not. We cannot operate in fear and be successful in doing God's will. God didn't give us that spirit of fear. And if it didn't come from God, where did it come from? It came from the enemy. And I'll, I'll share with you on, on next week, I mean, some, some ways to, 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 to move beyond those fears that arise in our life. Because we got to get free from fear. Fear is causing us not to be obedient to God and it's causing us not to be victorious in our walk with him. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for each and every one of us. He died so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. And I want to encourage you to not walk in fear, but walk in the power that God gave you through his death out on the cross of Calvary. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you. <laughs> Conquering your fears.